Thank you for being a part of Word of Life. Thank you for this beautiful weather, God, but also thank you for coming here and being with us today. We are, we are in the uh, middle of a series. This is week three of a five-week series, uh, and the message today, the series is entitled Divine Encounters. Um, and let me just give you an upfront for those of you who are brand new to the church or maybe visiting for the first time. Um, uh, this is a little bit different than what we normally do. There's a lot of similarities, but there's, it's a little bit different, and in particular at the very end. At the very end, we're going to encourage you to encounter God face to face, that you and God are going to meet you and God. And, and the approach to that is going to be up to you as to how you may want to do that. We have different, what I'm calling stations, we have different stations or locations where you can encounter God. I'll explain that as we get toward the end of the message. But this is a little bit different than what we normally do. We here at Word of Life, we believe that, that uh, the God of heaven is not only a God to be understood, but he's also a God that should be experienced. We should experience our God and who he is. And that's not just on God's plate, God's, uh, God, God, to demand on God that he would make that happen for us. No, we also have a role and a responsibility uh, to make the time and the, and the place for us to actually pursue our God. Again, we'll explain that more in just a few minutes as we close this message off. One of my passions for my church is that, that all of us would have a very clear focus as to who our God is. There is much to our God, but for wherever we're at, no matter who you may be, even if you're an unbeliever, you're not even sure if there is a God. You don't even know what you think about all of this. You don't even know why you're here at church today. Maybe those are your thoughts. I want you to know that God wants to reveal himself to you and let you know who he is, how great and how wonderful and, and glorious that he, that he really is. And it's my desire that we would encounter God that way. And as we encounter God, I believe we will be forever changed as we see and as we understand how great and how amazing our God really is. Today I want to talk to you about encounter our healer. Encounter our healer. We're going to be, we will be seeking uh, that encounter with God as our healer in just a few minutes. But listen, I want to go deeper with you today, all of you here today, than just having an opportunity to pray for a healing in your life. We've done that multiple times here at Word of Life over the years. I want to do something a little bit different than all of that, a little bit deeper than all of that. We will pray over people to be healed, but something deeper. Uh, I, I'm taking uh, some of my thoughts today, taking them out of Church of the Highlands, a little bit out of uh, Life Church and a little bit out of uh, uh, Gateway Church. These men have been big influences in my life. With, along with what I'm putting together, I've just taken some of their thoughts and I will acknowledge some of those things as I come across the, some of that. Um, I want to talk to you today about a miracle that Jesus did for a man that was rather incredible. Just another incredible miracle. And, and the path that Jesus took toward this miracle was a, almost like a one-time path. It wasn't something that he did on a normal basis. And once I begin to explain it to you, many of you who do know the Bible are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I believe that path that Jesus took with this particular man will impact every one of us as we go toward encountering our healer. In some way or another, with all that will be said and done, I am believing that it's going to impact us. And so what I'm asking you to do today, I'm asking you if you would, um, if you would listen to this message. Listen to this message through the lens, through the lens of whatever ongoing long-term problems or challenges that you've had or you have even right now. Um, that those kind of challenges, they could deal with your health, it could be with relationships, it could be with addictions, whatever, whatever. 
Listen, I believe for any and all of you and I that whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever that thing would be, uh, that the moment that you come into the presence of Jesus, you encounter him, you can be healed and you can be changed forever. I believe that. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. We do believe that here at Word of Life. And I really want you to have that hope, especially if you're coming into this room today and you do have a big need in one of those areas that we're going to be talking about, whatever it may be. Jesus encounters this man and he asks this man a question who has been sick for 38 years. 38 years, a long-term situation. He said to this guy, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? This is going to be a different message on healing than what we've ever done before in our past. This man had a huge problem for 38 years. It's a long time. And all of us, all of us, I believe, have different problems, different shapes, different sizes, different emphasis, whatever they may be. Today, I don't want to necessarily focus on those one or two day, week, month, or short period of time kind of issues. I really want to deal with the things that are, that are bigger. In other words, for some of you, you might have an ongoing medical, medical issue right now. Maybe you're someone who deals with chronic headaches or migraines. Maybe you're someone who is battling depression as we sit here. Maybe there's emotional instability within your life. Maybe you're overspending. Maybe you're overcommitting. Maybe you're overeating. I don't know what it would be, but it would be an issue. It would be a need within your life. For some, it may be an addiction. An addiction that just is not going away. And actually, it's killing you. And you know it. It's killing you, and you know it. For others, it would be an ongoing deep relation, uh, deep challenge with a relationship. Someone that you really love. Someone that means everything to you. There's a challenge there. There's something going on. And it hasn't been going on for a week or two. This has been going on for years. So maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a mother, a father, a brother, or a sister in your life. Those people that mean everything to you. Maybe that's your challenge. Maybe that's what you're dealing with. Today, I want you to listen to this message again through the lens of whatever ongoing challenge that you have right now, that you've been dealing with, what's going on, and uh, going on for a long time. And again, we believe a moment in the presence of Jesus, that encounter with the God of heaven can change you forever. Give me an amen. It's the truth. It is the truth. Go with me to John chapter 5, if you will. John chapter 5, that's where we're going to pick up again. Everything will be projected behind me so that you can follow along. And guess what I just did? Isn't God good? Cancel that. There we are. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Sometime, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate... A, uh, a pool, there is a pool there, which in Aramaic is called um, Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie there, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. This is a pretty cool thing that took place at this particular situation. Um, both the Bible talks about this as well as history also highlights this. There was a supernatural phenomena at this pool. I don't know how else to describe it to you. It was supernatural. It was a phenomenon. 
and they would declare history as well as the Bible talks about it a little bit here. Uh, a certain at a certain time, an angel would come down from heaven, and he would stir the water of that pool, the pool at Bethesda. He would begin to stir the water uh, at that pool, and whoever got into the water first after the stirring took place, the Bible tells us, tradition tells us, they would be healed. So whoever made it to the water first. They would be healed. So that's why the Bible says there was a great number of disabled, sick, blind, lame, paralyzed people all seeking when the stirring would happen that they would get to the water first and that they would be healed. Again, the Bible talks about this as well as it being history. Go with me to verse 4 of that same chapter, John chapter 5, verse 4. And it says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. This is the guy we're talking about been an invalid for 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time he asked him do you want to get well do you want to get well now that's the question of the day my question to all of you no matter what the issue is in your life whether you need physical healing emotional whatever it may be do you want to get well do you want to get well Jesus asked that I think I can ask that of my church as well. Do you want to be to get well? It's been 38 years, 38 years, and Jesus asked him that question. Do you want to get well? Really, I don't know what you think, but I'm sort of thinking that this is almost like an insulting question that Jesus is asking him, asking this guy. Do you agree? I mean, it's like, do you want to get well? After 38 years, Jesus, are you serious? Listen, Jesus is not... Jesus is not um, um, making fun of this guy. He's not playing a game with him. He's not mocking this guy in any way, shape, or form. Jesus never mocked anybody. If Jesus ever asked a question, it was a, there was a good reason for the question. And by the way, if there was a question, there, will, uh, there was always a right answer to the question. So Jesus isn't poking fun of this guy at all. Go with me to verses 7 and 8 as we conclude the story. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, I love it. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk, is what Jesus said. And Jesus said those words. And in a moment, if you read the story, in a moment, in the presence of Jesus, this guy's life was changed forever. He was changed by the power of Jesus' name. There are three, three, uh, at least three significant challenges for problems that seem to persist. 38 years is a long time. Maybe you've been dealing with yours for 10 years or whatever the number may be. 38 years is a long time. So three significant challenges I want to cover with problems uh, that seem to persist. The first one is, the more a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. The more a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. David knew this. David says in Psalm 6, verses 2 through 4, he says, Have mercy on me, uh, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. You talk about somebody who's discouraged. My soul is in deep anguish. anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me because, save me because of your unfailing love. Hey, God, don't forget, you love me. So would you heal me? Would you help me with this issue, this discouragement that I'm dealing with? I'm sure that there are a lot of us here today who are dealing with, secure, uh, uh, dealing with their uh, discouragement. People who have ongoing problems. We all have something, it seems like to me anyhow, we all have something that just doesn't go away. This problem just doesn't go away. 
uh, you've prayed about it and nothing. There's been no change. You're still dealing with that same thing now for years. Again, another thing. And you become discouraged. Now, let me give you a couple of examples where that may be. Maybe it's in your marriage. You've been married for seven years now. You've been married seven years and it's not working. You've tried to make it work. You've been extra kind, extra patient, and you've been trying to make this thing work. And look at you. You're even here at church today, hoping that maybe, just maybe, something would happen as a result of all of this. I'm sure you're convinced. You're convinced nothing, nothing can change this. If it's not a marriage, maybe it's your health. Uh, maybe you've got something serious going on on the inside of you. Maybe something is taking place that you know that you know that something's going on. So you go to your doctor, you go to your family practitioner, whoever, and uh, as you go to the doctor and you tell them what's going on, they can't figure it out. They, they, they don't know what it is. So you go to another doctor and they can't figure it out. And you go to another doctor and to another doctor and it just seems like nobody can figure out what's going on with you. And you know, you know that there's something wrong. You're frustrated, you're discouraged, and quite frankly, you're probably a bit frightened too because this, this could be really serious. For many of you who attend Word of Life, you know that back on November 5th, 2013, I had a triple bypass open heart surgery. And uh, I want to let you know, give me, let me just give you a moment as to what this looked like because this sort of speaks to me, my discouragement with what I went through. I literally was laying right here at this spot on this floor on a Thursday morning. I had just been in the midst of prayer and all of a sudden I had chest pains like you wouldn't believe. I, I, I've never in my life experienced what I had. I first laid on that pew trying to relieve some of the pressure on my chest. And because I couldn't get my left arm out as wide as I wanted it to, I laid here. At the time, I had my German Shepherd Buster. Buster would come in and pray with me. He was a born-again dog, and, uh, and um, he would pray often. And I'm laying here, and I'm in pain. I'm, I know I'm trying. It sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I can't even say it properly. I've never experienced anything like it before. The pain was so great, my tongue was curling. It was curling. And I'm saying something like this, this must be what a heart attack feels like, is what I was saying. This probably lasted no less than 10 minutes, probably 15 minutes, and it was horrible. Told nobody, I got up from that, and instantly I am like I am now. You know, I was completely fine, it was gone, I was okay. I lived, I made it. Well, that happened four times. And after the fourth time, four, three, uh, four different days, different times that that happened, I finally told my wife, Marianne, and uh, boy, was I in trouble. And, <laughs> Rightfully so, rightfully so. And what happened for me was uh, every test that I took, after number four, I went through all the tests. My cardiologist said, your heart is strong, you are good, you don't have any problem. He even said, by the way, even if you have chest pains again, don't even call 911, you're okay, don't worry about it. And I looked over at Marianne and I said, see, I told you it wasn't my heart. So anyhow, test after test, everything that would come back would be negative. And finally, the last and final test that they did on me, which was on, um, it doesn't matter the date, um, it ended up that they found that my heart, I, I, had a tr I needed a triple bypass, and uh, my widowmaker was blocked, my widowmaker. And uh, when they went in there, they found that it was 98% blocked, and that was my problem. And I can remember how, how frustrated I was. And when I had to go into open heart surgery, I'm not, I wasn't afraid, I wasn't fearful of it. But I was just frustrated with it because I know if you deal with the heart, your whole life is going to change. And my discouragement was that exactly, that I'll never be the same again. After I come out of this surgery, at this time, just before surgery, I was a power lifter. I was lifting hundreds and hundreds of pounds off my chest. I mean, I was doing it all the time. I've done it for 25 years of my life or more. 
and uh, I just figured I'd never be the same again. I, I would be, I'd look like a little wimpy like Pastor Jeremiah, and I didn't want to look like that. <laughs> and you'll probably listen to this broadcast a little bit later, and I'm serious, I don't want to look like Jeremiah. <laughs> Anyhow, it put me in deep depression. And I remember for a few weeks after surgery how really frustrated and depressed I was because I just felt like I will never be the same again. That's my story, and that's, that was a rather quick turnaround. It only took about six months for me to turn around. I can't imagine some of you. I can't imagine some people who have been dealing with things, maybe health issues like that, addictions, whatever. I can't imagine how that would feel to deal with that for years and years of your life. And things are never changing, never changing for you and I. So that first point is, is that uh, when, when the more a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. The second thing is, the more the problem persists, the more excuses you tend to make. The more excuses you tend to make. The problem with excuses is something like this. Ultimately, ultimately, it's going to make you feel better if you can blame someone else for your issue. It's not the truth, but it's, it will make you feel better if you can blame somebody else. And that's exactly what this guy who had a 38-year problem issue, health issue, that's exactly what he did. His excuse was, I have no one that can carry me down into the water so I can be healed. He was a crybaby. And the truth is, the truth is, we all do this. We all make excuses. We all blame everybody else but who we really need to be talking to about this thing. This guy said to Jesus, Jesus, this isn't my fault that I'm not healed. Someone else's fault. It's not my fault. In fact, it's like the number one excuse in society is always, is always the problem. Our, our, for our problems is always uh, an excuse for us. That's the number one way that people deal with their problems. They, they say it's someone else's fault. And I believe it's not only an excuse for society, I also believe it's the number one lie of the enemy. The enemy will convince you that it's somebody else's fault. And it's not true. No, it's all her fault this marriage isn't working. We've been trying for seven years, and it's all about her. It's her fault. Or the doctor. The doctor has no clue what's wrong. Keeps on telling me that we'll do one more test and everything will be fine. We'll figure it all out. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And oh, by the way, I've been to church Two weeks in a row, nothing, even the church is useless for me and my issues. And that's what people think, which takes me to the third area, and that is the more the problem persists, the more you tend to compensate. The more you tend to compensate. To compensate, I want to define it as here with this particular message, to attempt to, to conceal or offset one's shortcomings. So let me use it that way. Listen, I don't want anybody to be, be mad at me. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you as your pastor. Now, I can say it rather directly, and I'm going to, that some of you right now are excelling and compensating for issues that are in your life. You excel in that. You do a really good job. And let me cover three areas real, qu real quick with this one. Some of you are highly functioning, uh, functioning alcoholics. Let me say it again. Some of you are highly functioning alcoholics, right? Yeah, you are. Sure, it puts a lot of stress on the marriage. Yes, it's, it's really hard for the kids when they see you in action, doing what you shouldn't be doing. And it, and, uh, but professionally, man, you're hitting a home run. You're able to convince everybody you don't have any problems. There's no issues in your life. It looks like people don't know, but if they do know, they don't care because you, you just are able to figure out how to manage all of this. 
And yes, you're a highly functioning uh, alcoholic, even though, even though you have a significant addiction. You are being successful in what you're doing, even though you have this particular addiction. Another issue for life, it could just be one more time. Let's talk about the marriage. In your marriage, you've learned to just coexist in a dead marriage. You're coexisting. You coexist in a dead marriage. You don't like it, but you accept it. You accept it, and it's just kind of the way it is. There's no common vision for your marriage. There's no intimacy. There's no spiritual movement toward a solution with the problems that you're dealing with in your marriage. There's, there's, it's more now like a, a business relationship at this particular point, and you've already decided. One of you or both of you have already decided we're going to stay together for the kids, but as soon as they're gone, we're done. We're out of here. It's, it's over. It's over. The third area that I would like to talk about for just a second would be for some of you who have learned to compensate for your pornography problem. For your pornography problem. It's a real love-hate relationship, isn't it, guys? Being involved with pornography. It really goes deep for us. And you tell yourself, you know, it's just my thing, man. It's just all that I do. It's all that, that I'm dealing with. It's no big deal. And hey, man, at least I'm still with my wife. <laughs> I'm still with her. I've not gone off with other women. I'm doing okay. But you know, my 34 years of experience of pastoring people, you may be okay today, but I promise you, you continue on that road and you will be gone. You will be involved with, with another woman. There will be things that will be taking place. Some of you have learned the art of secrecy so that you would not get caught for now. Here's the problem, and I want you to listen, please. I will say this very slow. This is, these are great points. Taking some of these thoughts, these thoughts here from, uh, from Life Church. You cannot change. You cannot change until you recognize the problem. You will never, ever change when you are tolerating the issue. You will never, ever change when you are tolerating an issue. The third thing is, is that you cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. I think this is good stuff. The bottom line is, is that Jesus asked this guy, he asked him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Why would Jesus even ask him that question? I think that maybe perhaps Jesus knew that you can't just help someone who needs help. You can't do that. You can only help someone who wants help. You can't just walk up to that guy on the street, the guy who's looking for a few bucks as we go driving by. You can't start talking to him about how he needs help. If he doesn't want help, if that's what he wants to do, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. It's not going to help at all. You can only help someone who wants help. Jesus asked a very specific question to this guy. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Yes or no, do you? And here's the bottom line, especially with those who are dealing with issues and uh, needs and addictions and brokenness, and you've been dealing with this for years. The bottom line is, until your desire becomes greater than your disability, you will not even start to find healing. Let me say it again. Leave it projected. Until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not even start to find healing. It will not happen to you. It won't. Let me share with you one more quick personal story. 
My personal story deals with my sabbatical in 2016. I talked about this a little bit on Easter Sunday. But let me talk to you one more time about depression. Let me share with you. Burnout. Depression. It's not just pastors who have that. You can have that. People, normal, normal people with whatever. And the thought that Randy had is, is that I can handle this. I knew I'd been struggling for years with issues. I was on a path at this particular time before my sabbatical that I'm done. I quit. If you remember, Claude was resigning at that same time of the sabbatical. You, for those of you who were, were, uh, can remember, he was my executive pastor for 17 years. And I was sort of thinking, I'm going to leave and let Claude take over and I'm out of here, is what I thought. But the problem with that thought was is that I'm not being healed. I'm not being restored. Until the man, a man who's sitting over here to my right, my district superintendent, network superintendent, Dwayne Durst, he spoke here a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, whatever it was now. And he's the one who sat down with me and says, Randy, you need, you need a sabbatical. I've never had a sabbatical. And I did an eight-week sabbatical beginning on Easter 2016. And while, during that sabbatical, of course, I thought I would never be the same again. Same as a depression. It's just like I will never be the same again. I'm done. I might as well leave. In fact, what I was thinking of doing was to quit ministry completely. Not just quit word of life, but quit ministry. Get out of it completely. In fact, what I wanted to do was drive truck. You know, I love driving trucks. You know I'm a car guy. You know I love all kinds of things with engines and wheels on it. I wanted to do that. But let me tell you something. Unless I went and got restored by God and allowed him to do the work that he wanted to do in me to heal me of my, my burnout and to heal me of my depression, I would have been a terrible truck driver. I don't care what I would have done. It would have never worked because I haven't dealt with the issue that I've got. The same is true for you. Until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not even start to find your healing. Your desire must be bigger than your, uh, than your disability. So I ask you, do you want to get well? Do you, want to, do you want to get well? Because honestly, some of you are compensating by making excuses. Excuse after excuse. And yes, you're discouraged. But, but the truth is, is that you're simply used to living where you're at with what you've been doing all of these weeks, months, and years. You're, you're used to the consistency of all of that. I believe God the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you right now and ask you very intimately and ask you very personally, very personally. I don't know your issue. You may not know the issue I'm dealing with right now. But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit would sit back and say to you, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get better? Do you really want that? So let me ask you a series of questions. Do you really want to restore your marriage to where God would want to take your marriage? You may say you want it. You may say you want it, but your actions don't prove it. Do you really want to be debt-free? You say you want to be debt-free, but your actions don't say it. Do you want to overcome the, uh, the, and defeat your addiction that you have that, that has held you hostage for many years? Do you really want to overcome that? You say you do, but your actions, you may say you want it, but your actions do not say that you do. Because the truth is, some people are more comfortable with the known rather than the unknown. You're used to that addiction. You're used to those things. You're used to being in debt. You're used to building Debt on, uh, on credit card after credit card after credit card. You're used to living that kind of life. And uh, the truth is, is that some people are comfortable with the known rather than the unknown. And even though the known is uncomfortable and sucking the life out of you right now, you would say, it may, I may not like it, but at least, at least I know what it's like. So you would rather stay with the addiction that you're involved with. Because you don't know what it's going to be like on the other side if you were to walk away from that. 
I'm sensing Jesus right now is looking at you in this room face to face and asking you, do you really want to be made well? Because you can't come to someone who wants, who, who needs help. You can only come to someone who wants help. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate until you, your desire becomes bigger than your disability. And you will not even start to find your healing. Jesus asked, do you want to be well? I know this much today. I know this much. This message is speaking to somebody. I don't know how many somebodies there are in this audience right now, but I know that God is speaking to somebody because there is something that's holding you down and holding you back. And you've been dealing with this for years. And you've been waiting for something like this. You've been waiting for a message like this. You've been waiting to see within the Bible an example of somebody who's been dealing with issues of their lives for years. And finally, God intervenes. Finally, God shows up, confronts the issue, and they bring healing. I believe, I believe this much today, that when God heals you, when God touches you, when God sets you free, there's going, to be, there's going to be no one, no one who would be a better evangelist proclaiming, proclaiming that God has healed me of my cancer. God has taken away my, my migraines. God has helped me to overcome my fears. God has restored my marriage. And the longer that addiction, the longer that health issue, the longer the fear, the relationships, the depression has persisted and raised its ugly head in your life, the more glory you're going to want to give to God because He is the one that has set you free. And you realize, you realize that you couldn't do this on your own. You've been trying to deal with these things for years of your life. You can't get to the water because somebody beat you there to it. Well, God is saying to you today, you need to understand you need a greater power than just yourself. God himself wants to intervene. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus, the son of the living God, who came on the scene and asked the question, do you want to get well? Is that what you want? The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Jesus looked at this lame man. By the pool of Bethesda. And he says to him in John 5 verse 8. He says get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And notice Jesus heals this guy supernaturally. Because he does it. He gets up and he walks. He's healed. He does it. Jesus heals him supernaturally. And I want you to notice three things with that. Number one. This guy didn't even ask to be healed. He didn't even ask. But Jesus said, get up, take up your mat, and walk. The second thing I want you to see is that the, this guy did nothing to deserve it. He did nothing to earn it. I know this is speaking to somebody. You may think right now the devil's lying to you. You don't deserve a healing. You don't de deserve to be set free of these drugs. You don't deserve any of this. You're, you know what? Devil, you're right. I don't deserve anything. But the only one who has made me worthy is the one who died for me on that cross. You don't deserve it, but God will do it anyhow. And number three, the healing didn't happen the way that he thought it was going to happen. I say it again, the healing didn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen. He thought he had to get in the water. He didn't have to get in the water. Again, this is speaking to somebody. I don't know who you are today. This really is one of the million reasons why your greatest priority, your greatest priority in this life is to press into the presence of God and get to know who Jesus is, who the Son of God is. He came into this world for you and for me. He came to help us in every area of our lives, no matter what that area may be. Listen, listen to this guy who has been following Jesus now for 47 years, 47 years of my life. 
as you get closer to God, as you get to know Jesus, as you press into Jesus, as you get to know Jesus even better, listen to me. He will do things for you you didn't even ask him to do. He will do things for you that he didn't, you, you, he, you didn't even ask him to do. He will bring healing in your life much deeper than you ever expected. He will give you victory and freedom over the addictions that are destroying you right now. And he will, he will bring forgiveness and healing both in your heart and in your soul that you didn't even know was sick. He will bring it all. He will give you above and beyond what you would ever imagine. I love Philippians 1.6. It says, um, being, uh, being confident of this, that he who had began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What he did for this guy, 38 years, he wants to do for you today. Wherever you need healing, whatever it is, healing, recovery, deliverance, be set free, addictions, marriage, relationships, whatever those things are, he wants to help you and I. He wants to do that. When you get close to Jesus, when you get close to Jesus, you encounter your healer. And he will do things for you that you didn't even ask him to do. Last verse is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church, uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, all the way to 2018. All the way to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. amen. Today, right now, Jesus is saying to you, whatever your issues, he is saying to you, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, Jesus is saying to you, I don't want to hear any excuses. I want to see your faith. I want to see your faith that you're going to encounter me. Don't tell me what you can't do. Don't tell me what others won't do for you. Jesus is saying, I want you to stand up. I want you to walk. I want you to put a little effort into this. You've got to do your part. You need to be the one that would be moving toward God yourself. For some of you who are in this room, I don't know who you are. You not only need to have an encounter with Jesus here in just a minute, but you also need to maybe start going to CR that we have here. Celebrate recovery. Maybe you ought to go to that. That will help you as well. That may be God's plan. Maybe others of you need to take the cigarettes out of your top pocket and throw it in the garbage can. You don't need that junk anymore. You don't need it. You can be free of that. Those of you who are, who are uh, having marital issues and difficulties, you can meet with a counselor. If you've not yet been fully restored in your marriage, then deal with that. Deal with it. Get up and do something. Start walking. Do something rather than just expecting it's going to change. It won't change. It won't change. I will do for you what you cannot do. But I want, Jesus would say, I would want you to, uh, I, I would want you to do what only you can do. And I'm going to touch you. And I will heal with you. I will heal you. And I want to meet with you today. God is looking to meet with us right now. Would you stand to your feet, please? If I could have our two ushers come down with the offering buckets, please. The two ushers come down with the offering buckets, please. We need them on this table. Jesus would say, I want to see your faith right now. What for 38 years you have not been able to do. I want to see that right now 
I want to meet with you. I want you to have faith and the courage to step away from the familiar, to step away from the things that you've always done. Take a step. It's not going to be done the way it's always been done. You thought it was water. It wasn't water. It was something even greater. The familiar for you and I can sometimes be one of our greatest hindrances in our faith. We are going, we are going to begin our encounter time right now. And one of the first things that we ask in our encounter, that you would worship God by giving him your tithe and, and offerings today. That's how it begins. It's his money. And we offer it to you. That's the beginning of an encounter with God. You offer your tithes and offerings to God. And then after that, you can go where, with where you want. We're asking you, please don't leave. We're going to let you leave here at the right time. Don't worry about that. But we're going to ask you to go to some of the different locations, wherever you feel you need to. Maybe you need to go back to the pew and be sit, seated or stand or lay down, however you want to be, and worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Encounter him that way. Maybe you'd want to go to one of these crosses. These crosses have on there uh, from the card that was in your bulletin, and we have extras that you may want to have a prayer request, and you can put that on the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ changed everything for us 2,000 years ago, and it's still changing lives today. And we believe as we put it on the cross that God would hear that prayer. Maybe for those of you, you would want Holy Communion. On, on the outside edges of the stage platform, there is communion. If you'd like to have an intimate time of that sacrament between you and your God. And lastly, our intercessors, if you'd please come and stand along the front. We have these men and women who are godly men and women. I want you to know the Spirit of God is in them. That, that guy who was lame for 38 years didn't even know it was Jesus, didn't even know who Jesus was. But it was God in the flesh. And it was God who brought the healing in the flesh. And the same is with these men and women. They're normal human beings like you and I, but they have the Spirit of God in them. And as they pray for you today, we are believing, we are believing that there's going to be some wonderful things that God's going to do. So you have a choice, multiple choices that, would, that are for you to decide where you want to go. So we're going to begin that encounter with a song. And regardless of your need, whether it's your health, a sickness, disease, mental uh, issues, emotional sickness, addictions, <clears throat> whatever it is, we're believing God today. It's going to be the beginning of your life being changed. Could we start our song?